Yo, so thanks for downloading the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Remake Me episode. We're going to try our hardest to make this the last one that we have to include one of these for. Yeah, hopefully I can click buttons right. Yeah. I'm going to put this on me right now. Right. So usually you guys don't get a little special introduction like this, so consider yourselves lucky. It's not hopefully going to happen They've gotten it three weeks in a row. So it's That's not true. special to them. And anymore. actually, last week it was way more. It wasn't even introduction. Like, we yeah. just basically did an audio comment. The first ever audio commentary to a podcast <laughs> is what we gave them yeah, last week. Yeah, we're going to claim that right now, having done no research. <laughs> we're the first to do it. We're so. just planting our flag. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the audio quality, as you saw last week, was not up to par. It is not up to par again this week. Yeah. We're retroactively realizing this. We've made the necessary corrections. Next week is going to be great. It's a we- shit episode, but it sounds great. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's just like Nickelback. Like- oh, it's way better than Nickelback. <laughs> no, that's a safe thing to do, right? Like you can make fun of Yeah, Donald- you can make fun of Nickelback. You can make fun of Donald Trump and nobody gets mad. Right. You can make fun of Nickelback, nobody gets mad. Yeah. You can make fun of black people, nobody gets... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh. sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, um... It sounds like butt. We apologize. Promise it'll get better. You can skip it if you want, but this is kind of a milestone episode for Justin, having seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time. So this is the first one where it's really like one of those those mile markers on in the podcast where it's like this is this, this is, is what horror. This is. is a milestone. Yes. So our apologies. Please put up with it. But we know that it sounds bad. We know. We know. Please forgive us. MC Fiber is going to be mad at you for that black comment. <laughs> How do you assume he's black? Just because he's a rapper? Shit, am I the racist now? <laughs> Took me a minute to get the email ready to go, but I think we're close. Yeah, you got it. We're good. All right. So you were nervous about these two, or at least about the concept of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, definitely. Like, was, I'm not a I'm not a gore guy. Were you, by any means. Did you need to be as worried as you were? Uh, I don't think so. No. I hope I don't, maybe, actually, maybe I hope I do keep saying this, the whole, like, oh, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, it was as bad as it was going to be, so, hopefully, they're like that? Yeah. Continue to be? I don't know. I mean, there's, I think it just depends on what bothers you, like, yeah. last week I was talking to you about a movie that was just talking about, like, watching your kids grow up, basically, mm-hmm. and I thought, thought that was terrifying. Yeah. Like, um... Just recently started. Did you, you do Black Mirror, right? Yeah, uh, I haven't watched season three yet, but I watched the first two seasons. So I just watched the first episode of season three, mm-hmm. and no spoilers. But can I give you the concept of the episode? Sure. So the concept of the episode is uh, like all of them, not too distant future. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you essentially rate every social transaction you have. Okay. So you go and you buy uh, a coffee from someone. And you mm-hmm. rate both the perfect person that sold it to you, and then they rate you. So everything is Uber. Everything is Uber. Okay. Um, 
And then that starts to come into play. So you want to get a job, and they're looking at that. You want to get an apartment, they're looking at that. On and on and on. So you can imagine. But That just sounds like now. I'm to the nth degree. Yeah. But I'm watching it, and that was almost scary to me as I'm watching it happen. Like, it's because it's well done. Mm-hmm. You care about what's happening. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really, I mean, nothing scares me like this. Because I've never been in that situation. Yeah. I'm not going to be in the situation where I'm getting chased by somebody with a chainsaw. You'd hope. But I'm definitely going to find myself in a situation where my kids are doing something that I wish they hadn't have done. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm in a social interaction where I don't behave the way I feel that I should have or someone perceives that I misbehaved. Yeah. Um, so those are things that actually terrify me. Yeah, I definitely have a healthy sense of existential dread. But uh, I'm also very irrational. I still worry that someday I'm going to be driving down the road and there's going to be a baby in the middle of the road and I'm going to hit that baby. Yeah. It's not going to be my fault, but I'm going to live with that having to hit that baby. I, uh, I have a chronic fear that I'm going to get spontaneous Tourette's. <laughs> That's a very specific phobia, but let me to explain. Yes. So I'm constantly scared. So uh, I talk to someone that has a lazy eye that they've got you know, uh, a fogged out eye, they're missing an arm, mm-hmm. right? And I just have this constant fear or somebody that I know that they just lost a relative or something. Yeah. And I'm talking to them and I'm just in my head, like, don't bring up their eye. Yeah. Don't say, oh my God, you're missing an arm. Don't say your mom's dead. Mm-hmm. Don't say those things. So I have this, and I hyper focus on it to where that's all I'm thinking about the whole time I'm talking about them. And the odds that I'm going to say something are way worse because I'm thinking about it so much. Right. Uh, it's like anytime I interact with a police officer, all I'm thinking of is don't steal their gun. Yes. Which there's zero chance I would ever do that. But now there's like slightly, slightly more than zero chance because, <laughs> because I'm putting it in my own brain. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know why we started talking about that at all. It was a big. No idea. So 1974, uh, Toby okay. Hooper mm-hmm. makes Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. And you just recently watched it for the first time. I did. Uh, this is kind of one of the hallmarks of the genre, mm-hmm. one of the holy grails. And you experienced it for the first time, so I'm really interested to see what you thought. Um, like to me, this movie was everything that, on the outside looking in, I think of what a horror movie is, mm-hmm. and I think I appreciated that. I feel like, you know, this. This podcast for me is a ride, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you are you are guiding me on this tour of the horror genre, mm-hmm. and it was nice to, to have a stop. It's like, oh, like this is what I think of when I think of horror. It's a milestone, right? Right. Like it's, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. So, and, you know, it's not just the name, but mm-hmm. just like going through the movie, this felt like a horror movie, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the other ones... Or maybe more sci-fi, or maybe just straight up cutting off guys' penises and things like that. This mm-hmm. one just it felt like a horror movie, and I appreciated that. Okay. So before we start getting into details, mm-hmm. overarching theme, yay, nay, give me your overall thoughts about it overall. Did you like it? For the movie? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. As far as horror movies go, yeah. Yeah. So you can see the... The relevance in it. Yeah. I, I appreciated 
the movie 100% knew what it wanted to be, and it was just that. And it got in, it said what it wanted to say, and then it got out. And, you know, it's only an hour and 23 minutes long. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it did exactly what it wanted to do. It took, you know, this... Uh, and it wasn't a very civil story, but, you know, just let's get these kids in the woods... And let's murder some kids. Right. I uh, So it's funny you said you knew what it wanted to be or whatever, because I think the director would disagree with you. Okay. Because he said and still says he doesn't understand, people don't understand he was making a comedy. So I think he's wrong with what he made. Mm-hmm. That's not a comedy. But he thinks that's what he was making and what he did make. So I think like automatically right there, saying it knew what it wanted to be. If the director's saying something that I assume you disagree with and I disagree with, it didn't know what it was like he was he was anticipating making a banana, because you make a banana, that's what happens. Yeah. And he accidentally made the perfect apple. Right. You know. Um which I always thought was super interesting and weird because I don't understand that really. The only scene maybe I can see that would be the dinner table scene. Um I mean, okay, so now looking at it through that lens, I can see that. Like, uh, uh, it's not Jerry, Eric, I think, is the first one to go in. I think his name is Eric. I'm not sure. Um, but the, the, the one who could walk from the backseat, mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes in and... Uh, he's just curious, like, hey, what's going on here? All of a sudden, boom, brained. It's an awesome death scene. Yeah. Um, so you were saying you could see comedy in that? You see them, like, out of nowhere, boom, brained, and then, I mean, yes, this movie, if you're really weird and kind of fucked up, I could see, okay, yeah, he intended to make a comedy there. Yeah. But I, I could see the things he points to. I, I still agree with you that he is kind of wrong or missed the mark in that point. Yeah. But I could kind of see the little points where he would he would say that he made a comedy. Yeah. Uh, one thing that is not comedic is Franklin. Yeah. Fuck that fucking guy. Oh, my God. What an annoying bastard. Holy shit. Everybody that I talked about this movie, everybody's just like, fuck Franklin. Fuck that guy. Like, even the sympathy you would get from being in a wheelchair, everybody's still just like, fuck that guy. Am I the only one that, like, identified with him? How did you? He was an annoying bastard, dude. That's what I am. He does raspberries. Who does raspberries? Okay, that was all over the top and (laughs) fucking great. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like people, like, when I was a kid... Uh, you know, a friend group would go out and like, hey, let's do just a small amount, let's get into a small amount of trouble. And I'd be the guy, you guys, come on, I want to be, I'm going to be the wet blanket here. So I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that in, in Franklin. Oh, but he was just annoying <laughs> when he was doing it. And, all right, so there's the scene when they get, they get out and uh, he's got, before they go in the house. Mm-hmm. Does he have a turd in his mouth? What is he eating? Do you know what it, I'm talking about? It's a sausage. That's what I thought it was a sausage, but who sucks on a sausage? He, he's like Who's, chopping on it like a cigar. Exactly. Who sucks on a sausage and then pulls it out of their mouth and puts it back in? It was yeah. the most nasty and bizarre <laughs> 
bizarre thing. I don't know why I think about it so much. There's a, a documentary on the band Fish, mm-hmm. and they're just it's they're standing outside. They're talking to to the guys, and John Fishman, the drummer, is eating some sort of a pastry or something, right? Okay. And he sticks it in his mouth, so it's a long pastry. Mm-hmm. He sticks a third of it in his mouth. Somebody says something, he laughs, and he pulls it out of his mouth to say something else and puts it back in. Like, it already had saliva <laughs> on it. I don't understand. Like, I... I mean, it was I have saliva. To, but I have to rinse my toothbrush off before I put it back <laughs> in my mouth, and it sat for 24 hours or 12 yeah. hours. To put... I don't know. That's so gross. Once, once something comes out of my mouth, it is not going back in. That's the rule. Okay. That's why... All of my male-on-male relationships, my life never worked out. One and done. One and done. One hit wonder. Yeah. Um, but holy shit! So you you're the first person I've ever heard that came to Franklin's defense. Uh, yeah, I I honestly identified. Yeah, he is way over the top. Oh. Come on, you guys. But yeah, I I he was the one I identified with the most. Oh, oh Franklin. <laughs> Screw that guy. Um. So I, the uh, you've heard so this about this is based on a true story, right? You heard. Uh, it's um, Ed Gein, right? Ed Gein, yeah. So people think like this actually happened. That's not exactly correct. It's based right. off Ed Gein, and the whole concept was, what if there's a family of Ed Geins? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that route, I think he pretty much pulled it off. Yeah. I mean, that's the concept you've got. I love the use of animals in both films. Like, mm-hmm. nothing for me says, like, dirt than animals. Like, yeah. how bizarre is it to have a chicken hanging from the ceiling in a birdcage? Right, and that whole room is just covered in, like, chicken feather fluff yes. and dirty bones and just really gross room. Yeah, which, which yeah. you know, once you start getting the chainsaw, that's a little less real, but... You know, I've seen hoarders. There are homes that actually look like that, and mm-hmm. that is something that actually bothers me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's something about, I don't know what it is. There's that chicken in a cage suspended from the ceiling. It's really creepy. Yeah, I would agree. And, like, I don't, seeing it, I recognize that it's creepy. I don't know how anyone would think to do that, to be like, this is going to be really creepy. Or hilarious. Or hilarious. <laughs> what is it? Oh, it's, it's going to be a chicken. It'll be great. It's, that's so funny. Biggest laugh of the movie. Do they have to talk him out of being a rubber chicken? <laughs> like, originally it was a rubber chicken hanging from there, and they're like, hmm. Somebody else was standing behind him, like, trying to turn it into a horror movie. Yeah. And it was, yeah, was going to be something different. Um, He's like the George Lucas. Yeah. The, uh, I, if I have a problem with this movie, it's the dinner table scene. I think I started to say that at one point, but uh, I feel like it goes on like with him, with Grandpa trying to hit her with the hammer and stuff. I, I feel like it goes I on a little bit. That. Yeah, I don't know. I I appreciated that solid five percent of this movie mm-hmm. is just Leatherface chasing Sally through brush, mm-hmm. and that scene just like kind of kept going. But I feel like I appreciated that. I don't know. I. It, it, it didn't leave, it didn't kind of let off the suspense, mm-hmm. and it was just an, an extended scene of suspense that I, I think 
did well. It didn't seem like filler to me uh, the way I think a lot of it can nowadays. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Uh, And I don't think it detracts from the whole thing. I think that's me nitpicking if I was to do it. And Um, to me, it seems like, especially the hammer thing, that seems totally real. Like, these two people are crazy, and they really want Grandpa to to do it. I feel like that's it was totally real mm -hmm. to those characters. Right. I, uh, so you and I talked briefly about this and, uh, you'd reference that you'd read that, that Gunnar Hansen actually cut, uh, Marilyn Burns finger. Yeah. I really hope that's not the take that I watched. Cause that's really creepy. I, I'm pretty, I'm thinking it is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, like I was trying to watch for it as I did it and I was interested to watch it. I had watched this. Uh, they came out with a 4k restoration yeah, um, it was the first time that I'd watched it with that. I was pretty nervous because the movie is so dirty, and especially the other previous versions were darker than what you saw. Okay. Um, and I was concerned it was going to expose too much because, especially now, you look at movies that you know everybody watched on VHS and were dark and mm-hmm. had graininess, and you're watching on a real small TV, yeah. and you blow it up and you put it on a Blu-ray. And you lose some of those things that it's hiding. I don't really feel like this was impacted by that at all. I appreciated the grit uh, that, you know, when, not to get all like film snobby, but I feel like when you take, when you take a film and you do a transfer like this, Mm -hmm. you know, the the 4K restoration um, to put it on Blu-ray, a lot of, I feel like a lot of people, a lot, a lot of, the studio out there used DNR, the digital noise reduction, it to kind of eliminate some of that grain to give it that video feel because that's what people remember. Mm-hmm. But seeing the film grain, I love. Like, one of my favorite independent films is Darren Aronofsky's Pie. And one, one of the reasons I love that so much is the film stack that he chose. Like, the, the rich contrast, but also the, the grain that is in there it's fantastic. I really enjoyed the the grain yeah. <laughs> of the film in this. So that being movie. said, do we know that Aronofsky? You said he chose. Mm-hmm. You sure that he didn't want something that would be cleaner and clearer, and he got that because it was cheaper? If he was using short ends or something like that. Uh, from from what I know, I'm pretty sure that he chose the stock okay. for its contrast and for its graininess. Okay, so. Taking away that specific instance, mm-hmm. um, the the thing that happens periodically is there'll be releases of a film where the audience is up in arms about something, mm-hmm. and they're upset, but the director's stepping back and saying, "No, this is what I wanted it to be from the beginning." Right. You're not see. You never saw it the way I actually wanted to make it. Yeah. It's kind of the George Lucas thing on a much smaller scale. Uh, it can be yes. So, so yeah, sometimes sometimes. Directors say, I'm going to take this opportunity to change what came out. And some people say, I'm going to take this opportunity to make the home experience as close to the theater experience as possible. And a lot of that does mean film grain, which some people see like, oh, it's artifacts and gross things in the picture. But no, that's that's how it looked. That's part of the image. Yeah, and I think we could debate that forever if you're talking between... Uh, what the viewer wants to see and what the, you know, it's the, it's the debate about Lucas and, and Star Wars. Yeah. Um, 
the uh, you also said that it wasn't nearly as gory as you were expecting. Correct. That's uh, I think one of the big things everybody imagines is they imagine how gory it is because you imagine a chainsaw, but there's really hardly yeah. any blood. Yeah, Frank Franklin gets it, and there's nothing to see really at all. It, it was the one time that I jumped uh, during the film is that they're just going through the woods and all of a sudden jump out and stab. Which, to be fair, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, if I'm in this scenario, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go out like Franklin. He never saw it coming, and then just boom, dead. I don't, I don't want to get brained and then wake up and be on a hook or something like that. Yeah. The uh, going back to the dinner scene. Um, don't quote me on the length of time. Yeah. But it, that's pretty notorious, and that the actors were miserable because they filmed for twenty-four straight hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, in hundred-degree heat, and the, the house is hotter than that, and there's actual food sitting on the table and rotting and things, and they just kept shooting and shooting and shooting, yeah. um, to the point where they were like you had said before that Gunnar Hansen was actually cutting his castmate. Yeah. Yeah, I I think he said something along to the effect of you know we were we were just going crazy, so yeah, I guess that will drive you to do something like that to another human being <laughs> who trusts you implicitly. Yeah, there's and uh, you violate that trust. Yeah, I, that's not going to happen anymore. There's no way something like that could could happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's such an accidental movie almost that. It managed to come out. There's no reason that it should be as popular or as good as that it that it is. Uh, it's just lightning striking, I think. Yeah, that that it really made me step back and think about not just horror movies, horror movies specifically, but all movies in general. Just kind of how something like this that obviously want you know a, a dude had a vision and made that happen. And then it just caught on, and it's it caught on because it's it is a quality product, but at the same time, like it's it's lightning in a bottle type stuff. You never know, but just his vision happened to line up with with what the audience wanted. One of the original titles that he uh, was going to run with was Head Cheese, and I think even something as simple as that, like if this yeah. movie was called Head Cheese, you have to wonder if it would have. Yeah. It was the exact same movie. Yeah, I don't know that that we would be talking about Halloween and Friday the 13th and head cheese. I I think you're right. It's like, it's all those little nuanced things that I think everything has to line up. I mean, there's something just visceral about Texas chainsaw massacre. I mean, we didn't exactly what happened in the movie. Exactly. We didn't go over last week so that you could explain to me what you were going to see because anyone is going to be able to explain to me what they're going to see. Yeah. Um, unless I could have been, could have been, to you that there were werewolves in that, like a lawnmower man. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know. I feel like we always have way more to say when when we're divisive or when yeah. there is something to critique. But uh, I think anybody that's actually listening to this has obviously heard seen Texas Shades on Master. I hope so. Um, I really enjoyed the framing device, the whole the beginning uh, narration uh, with John Larkett uh, about. The, you know, five kids and uh, the lives were cut short and hopefully, you know, they would have never wanted to see the amount of macabre that they wound up seeing, had they lived a long life, things like that. 
and then the framing device of um, of that happening, and then the the uh, graveyard desecrations. And I think that's my favorite shot is one that yeah. it's just bizarrely sitting on top of the the tombstone. Right. Uh, which, I think that's my favorite shot in the whole movie. Which we find out later is the the hitchhiker brother mm-hmm. yep. guy is the one behind that. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the hitchhiker uh, would turn us into. 2003 remake, uh-huh. which there's also a hitchhiker, but they did it something different with that. Completely different, and yeah. yeah before we move on, I just want to say like, well, no, the couple things. One is the the hitchhiker in the beginning was crazy. He did crazy really well, and it was off putting how crazy he was, and it, I I really appreciate that. And then my second point is, I had no idea that they called him Leatherface in this movie. Like, his brother just refers to him as Leatherface, and that took me by surprise. I figured it was one of those things where, like, the public at large had deemed him Leatherface. Yeah, that's, uh, so, you know, Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Hellraiser? I have not. Okay, but you know what it is. You know if I say Pinhead, who that yes. is. That's exactly the situation there, is that Pinhead, he, he was just named lead Cenobite. In the in the they never called him anything, mm-hmm. but in the script and things like that, the makeup artists and things is behind the scenes referenced yeah. him as Pinhead, and it caught on mm-hmm. and it leaked to the point where during I think it's only once during the series he's actually referred to as Pinhead in the series. Mm-hmm. But I think that I'm with you. I can totally see how you would anticipate that happening. Yeah, um, and the fact that he just randomly put on makeup for the dinner, I liked. I think it's another face. Yeah. 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 But like uh, that was his dinner face. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly what it is. They uh, so you'd reference the hitchhiker playing crazy really well. Uh-huh. Um, one of my favorite artifacts that I have uh, going to horror conventions is a laser disc signed by the then everybody that was still living in the cast. Um, we've uh-huh. lost a couple people since uh, Gunnar Hansen being one of them. Hmm. And Marilyn Burns, uh, but uh, the hitchhiker, uh, not acting because he's genuinely crazy, man. <laughs> like if you were commending him for playing crazy really well, uh, obviously not crazy to that degree, but he's definitely like that level of energy bouncing off the walls. And if he would just funnel it into a little bit more uh, psychotic, that's exactly what you would get is what you saw on screen. Hmm. Um, just did this weird little inhale, high pitched squeak thing right there. That was I awesome. was going to call it out. But <laughs> if you do it, that's fine. Uh, I'm calling it out. Um, the uh, on the note about conventions and things like that, mm-hmm. somebody that's kind of uh, gained a little bit of notoriety in that is a guy named Andrew Bernarski. Okay, Andrew Bernarski is the guy that played Leatherface in the 2003 remake. Okay, and uh, it's prequel called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. He played Leatherface twice. He's the only person that played Leatherface twice. Um, met him. He's nice enough. Definitely loud. Definitely drinking. Um, but he's uh, apparently, this is this is not me spreading anything that I saw firsthand. This is just internet murmurs. Okay. okay. Uh, apparently he's uh, very, very uh, interested in the ladies. And makes it known to them and possibly physically lets them know that he's interested. He trumps them? 
he, he might. He might. I don't know about that blatant. Um, he, uh, he apparently got at one point was arrested for like animal abuse. And they said like he had two mobile homes and one of them was filled with a whole bunch of dogs. Um, and he was all over Facebook saying that that's not true. I think those charges were dropped. So there was probably something else to that. So being neutral to him. Yeah. But the big one that I saw was, uh, so Gunnar Hansen, the original Leatherface died. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was not like, even if you didn't like somebody, usually as soon as somebody passes on, you are give them a little bit of, uh, respect and things like that. At the very least, you get out of the way. But he was on Facebook like, oh, I'm the best leather face there is anyway, so now I'm definitely, nobody else can say anything about it or, or what have you, you know. Mm. It was uh, it was a little painful. But I think he's, he's uh, you would also know him, he was in, uh, did you ever see Street Fighter? Yes. He's Zangief. Zangief? Zangief in Street Fighter. Okay. He's also uh, in Batman Returns. He's Christopher Walken's son. Huh. So that's that's him. Do you, do you want to hear a bit of Street Fighter uh, trivia? Raul Julia's last film, mm-hmm. sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I still. Uh, that's a terrible movie as I watch it as an adult. Yeah. But I still feel like I love it in my heart. <laughs> like, but I watch it and I'm like, why, 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 why? Uh, the real why is Street Fighter the movie, the video game. That is a total piece of garbage. Yeah, I can't say I've played it. Don't. Okay, I won't bother. But Andrew Bernarski seems to be doing pretty good for himself, and that is care of Mr. Hobbs. Oh. Hobbs let us know a little bit of uh, fun facts. Is, is this an exclusive? Are these exclusive um, fun facts? I think this actually is not an exclusive. This was from Bernarski's publicist. Okay. Sent it to Hobbs. But he forwarded to us, so he gets credit for the forward. Yeah. I mean, he distills through and lets us know what's relevant to what we're talking about. Takes out what we in the industry call sound bites. Yes, exactly. So um, I'm going to feed it to you guys. So right. uh, the headline is uh, Leatherface Actor Gets Signed as Product Spokesman. Oh, intriguing. So good for him. Mm-hmm. If he has had some troubles or whatever, it looks like he's well on his way. So yeah. Um, reading what, what Hobbs wrote here. <clears throat> A uh, few companies would want to be associated with one of the most famous murderers in cinema's history. McDonald's doesn't have Jason pitching Happy Meals to kids, and Home, Peep, Home Depot doesn't use Freddy to sell drills. But it was announced Wednesday that former Leatherface Andrew Minarski will be the face of a product found in over 70,000 drugstores across the U.S. and Canada. That's a lot. So I'm going to pause. That is pretty impressive, right? Yeah. I can't. You can't blame the guy. No. I, if I could put my name on somewhere that's in uh, 70,000 drugstores, that'd be pretty fantastic. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, Drandy's Douches made the announcement that Bernarski would be the face of the company starting immediately. Janice Dandy, third-generation owner of the still-family-run company, stated, It is so hard to find someone who can convey exactly what it is to be a douchebag, and we are thrilled to partner with Andrew. He will certainly... Or, I'm sorry, he was certainly born for this job. Bernarski portrayed Leatherface twice in the 2000 remake, two remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and its sequel, The Beginning. Uh, he was most recently seen dancing on Gunnar Hansen's grave. So thanks, Hobbs, for that press release. Yeah. Congratulations, Mr. Bernarski. Sounds like uh, you're doing pretty well for yourself, and uh, sounds like they're happy to have you over there at Drandy's Douches. Yeah. 
publicists really staying on on message there. Yeah, they drove that home, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Good job. All right. So, uh, moving on to the sequel. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. The, the remake. remake. The remake. So, <clears throat> at the very end of the movie, you were like, "Wait a minute! Did that just say this was produced by Michael Bay?" Yeah. It was definitely produced by Michael Bay. So. Michael Bay and Brad Fuller got together in the early 2000s and they decided they wanted, they came up with the idea to do exactly basically what everybody's been complaining about. It's been happening for the last 15 years, which is remaking, rebooting all of these old existing franchises. Right. Which I think we're feeding by having this entire podcast. Yeah. 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 We are definitely, we are definitely a Hollywood influencer. Yeah. Uh, I guess leeching off of would probably be a better word. Um, so the, what he made, they made started a company called Platinum Dunes, and this is the first film that they came out. So the whole idea was exactly what they're doing. Let's reboot these things. So okay. we've talked a little bit about remakes, and the thing for me is that I would want to see a version of every movie that I like made by every director. Like, it wouldn't bother me at all to have a hundred different Texas Chainsaw Massacres, give one to every director that wants to do one and have them do it because the ones that I enjoy that are good, the original is still going to exist. It doesn't, right. it doesn't impede that, but so many people get so upset that it's a Holy grail that you're not, you can't touch it, but it doesn't stop that other thing from existing. Exactly. They're not erased. Um, and that's frustrating to me when I hear those things that, that there are tons that are garbage we just did the It's Alive a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That was garbage. Completely. But it, the, the original still exists. Mm-hmm. You can't... I don't understand the it negativity it, towards it. That it doesn't thing, take away from it at all. That being said, the argument then is, but that's preventing original things from being made, which I totally understand that. Yeah. I can't, I can't disagree with that at all. But I love the idea of seeing something gone through someone else's and distilled through their head. Um, so as much as I hate the Transformers and the Ninja Turtles version of Michael Bay, yeah, I, I can't complain about them. Some of them are better than others, but Michael Bay spearheads these things, and he took what was a gritty horror movie that is gritty and dirty and turned it into a sleek, glossy beautiful looking movie in the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Beautiful grit. Yeah. I I mean, everything there was completely intentional. That conscious, like green hue that just takes over everything in the Mm -hmm. film. Um, and that that's him. Yeah. Um, I mean, Michael Bay likes two things, money and explosions. So, so apparently this is her third hand. He's actually like super into like, like art films, like French movies. Like that's what he would mm-hmm. choose to watch. Um, but it doesn't mean that's what he ends up doing. Right. But I think that's, that was really interesting. Um, I, I, I don't have a problem with Michael Bay, the person. Yeah. And you know, um, I will say the rock is a fantastic movie, but lately it's just money and explosion. Yeah. Um, so the film opens with a hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the same hitchhiker. No, it's a lady this time. It is a lady, uh, and it goes a totally different way. 
right. this was your first time seeing this. Mm-hmm. Did you anticipate this being different? Did you expect her to be closer to the hitchhiker in the original film? Um, I thought it was, but as soon as I saw it, it was one of two ways. Either, oh, they're, they're changing it up because this time it's a lady instead of a guy, or she was the last victim. And you instantly realize that, you know, she was the last victim. Right. Um, the thing, so a little bit of context. It, when this was released, it was either 2002 or 2003. I thought it was 2003, but uh, Hobbs in his thing said 2002. So I'm not sure which one it is. Can't regardless. regardless um, I saw this. This is a, one that I dragged a few people to. Um, to go see because in, in my mind I didn't realize how much I liked this horror thing. I just thought mm-hmm. everybody saw this. So I thought this was like a debate or a Super Bowl. Like when a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie comes out, of course we're going to go <laughs> to the movie. What are you talking about? Like it, it never struck my mind that somebody wouldn't want to see this. Like I thought this was an inauguration of a new president. Right. Like I thought this was like a cultural thing that yeah. everyone did. So I spearheaded this. We went. I don't. If I had seen the original, it was so long ago that I didn't have it in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we all walked out and were beyond blown away by this remake. Not knowing it was a remake, just wa- or we knew it was a remake, but just mm-hmm. watching this film. Um, upon seeing a lot of others and rewatching it now, I think my love for it has faded to some degree. Uh, but I definitely still see its merits, so I'm interested. First of all, overarching opinion, what did you think about the remake? I hated it. Really? Just I, beyond hated it? I mean, not beyond hated it, but I I really did not like it. Okay. I, I didn't like any of the characters. I didn't, I mean, I love me some Arlie the Ermy. Uh, Full Metal Jacket is one of my favorite movies. Uh, his character made no sense in this movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Why didn't this character make sense? Uh, I don't know. It just... He wasn't... So in the first movie, he, he's basically playing the role of the, the gas station mm-hmm. owner, barbecue guy. Uh, which that seemed a lot more like, oh, it's a uh, safe haven... And then, boom, twist, he's he's the daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, here it was more, well, the gas station attendant told him to go to the old mill, the sheriff will show up, and then they go to the house, and the sheriff will be there in 30 minutes, and then he shows up. Uh, so you kind of knew right away what was going on. And then... The whole part went after the the first two abductions, and it is down to the two women and the Franklin stand-in, Morgan. Not a direct Franklin stand-in, but... Uh, and he's, like, taking them hostage or whatever, and he makes Franklin, like, recreate the everything. Morgan. Right. Yep. He makes Morgan recreate, recreate the, the, the suicide. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, I just thought that the whole scene was really dumb. Okay. So I think you're watching this the exact opposite way that I am. So yeah. you're watching it. What you're what you're doing is you're watching it from 
the Hewitt perspective. You're watching them. When mm-hmm. I'm seeing this, and especially the first time, I am watching this from the perspective of the kids. Okay, So they're driving down the road. They pick up a hitchhiker. They don't do anything wrong. Like right. this isn't this isn't a group of people that are going into a place that they shouldn't go to. Except they have two pounds of pot in the car, but that doesn't really cut. That, that's yeah. curious. But but they don't do anything dumb. There isn't that moment yeah. when you're yelling at them to turn around. They shouldn't be going in there, right? They pick mm-hmm. up a hitchhiker, and then there's you and I would end up in every step along the way. Yeah, exactly the same way they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm. That's what I'm watching. So I watch it from the perspective from Morgan. He had a girl commit suicide. Then they tried to get a cop. Now the cop is there and he's fucking with them. Yeah. He has the opportunity. He makes the decision to kill a cop. Right. And that turns around on him again. I, uh, I think all of them progress exactly the way that a real human being would. There's never that moment. And I think that's what's, what's gives the credence to this film that a lot of other horror movies don't have. Okay. Um, we talked about the visuals of it. Mm-hmm. I think it looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, Jessica Biel is super cute. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a few moments that I, I gritted my teeth at. You get the stereotype of the car not starting. Yeah. There's a possum hidden in a locker. Yeah. There's another jump scare. The uh, old region and, yeah, oh, I'm dying, one. but, oh, no, I just brought out a jar of piss with some pictures yeah, in it. That was the other one. So I that I will definitely give our valid criticisms of it mm-hmm. that I think that uh, when, you know, when I saw it and fell in love with it before, I was so into it that I, I missed that. Yeah. But I think that's genuinely legitimate criticisms. But when you start talking about it as far as a remake, I think that it manages to keep it, it still feels dirty. Like everybody is sweaty and there's snot and there's chapped lips. And uh, except Jessica Biel, she stays clean the whole time. No, she had a snotty ass nose, dude. She had snot on when, her lips when she's, yeah, when <laughs> in that one scene when she's face down and crying. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise she had like. A little, a little scratch on her arm, yeah. and then it was always, it was always wet. So she had a wet T-shirt the whole time. Yeah, this movie, like I think I said, this could have just been called Jessica Beale's, Jessica Beale's boobs <laughs> with a little bit of button and belly throughout the whole thing. Yeah, like, um, it was constantly we're cutting to one shot and she's running and it's just bounce, 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 and then they would go to a reverse angle and it's just her ass. It was it it was pretty blatant. It was, but I would argue the first one is too. So you have this the shot where she they go underneath the swing, and it's just ass. As she's walking up to the house. It's exactly the same thing. I don't. To me, that's not because that is a moment of she is off put, and it's an off putting camera angle. And you know, not to get all filmmaker, but it, you know, it's a worm's eye view, and mm-hmm. it's. It's meant to to uh, make the characters. Um, I lost my train of thought. It 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 seemed to me like it was intentional, intentionally off putting. Okay. Uh, and you got a butt shot in. Yeah. 
And you get a bunch of Oh, yeah. They're all... In both movies, they're all scantily clad. Yeah. Like, she doesn't... She has a backless shirt the entire time. Mm-hmm. And Jessica Biel shows her belly the whole time. So. Yeah. No. It, it's... That's part of the trope that you're going to get into. Right. Um, the... Uh, I do appreciate both films do a fair amount of stuff in the daylight, which I'm always impressed with. When you think horror movie, you think mm-hmm. nighttime. Um, but there's the scene where they're going through the sheets in the remake, yeah. um, which I think is totally effective, and it's daytime. But that scene, I think, mirrors the running, going through the brush yep. in, from the first one. Mm-hmm. But what I don't like about, and I think it's tropey, um, how I can speak authoritatively about horror tropes <laughs> is so they're, yeah, they're going. I have seen almost a half a dozen. <laughs> they're running through the the sheets right mm-hmm. in a straight line. Mm-hmm. Oh, they comes from the side, and then he gets ahead of him from the side. Yeah, yeah and cuts off his leg. Like the Leatherface in the first movie is just a fat guy who's crazy. Mm-hmm. This one, he's like a superhero. I I didn't like that she like ha- at the end she hacks off his arm. There's and he's just like get my arm off this chainsaw. I need to pick up this chainsaw. Yeah, there's a definitely a degree in the majority of movies that are made now, mm-hmm. whether it's horror or not, that you have that jump the shark moment in almost everything. It seems like so. I mean, something is as unrelated as Elf, right? Yeah. It's awesome. It's kind of a small movie. Yeah, I mean, you might travel from a faraway land, but everything is kind of, it's more like social interaction. Mm-hmm. Until the end, when you literally have, like, CGI Santa flying through New York, and there's, like, Harry Potter goblins chasing them. Like, it's jumping, it's making it way too big. I don't think that's apt at all. So, what I appreciated about the first movie, right, is Leatherface is, like, this crazy I was guy. agreeing with you, for the record. That's what I was doing there. I, Yes, but I think you were agreeing with me incorrectly, so I'm going to correct you. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. So what I really appreciated about the first one is Leatherface is a character, like, we don't know a whole lot about him, but we know that he's crazy, and that's scary. And at the end, when uh, he trips and falls and, like, cuts himself with a chainsaw, and, like, there's this moment where you realize that he is human. And, like, he, he, like, grabs him, like, oh, you know, that's humanizing. We're reminded that underneath the skin is an actual dude. Whereas in the new one, he cuts off his, she cuts off his arm, and he's just like, ah, I need my chainsaw. And they do the same thing, the the cut the leg. But it's just like, ah, cut my leg. Yeah, and he chases him. Yeah. And it doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. No, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. I guess <laughs> I didn't know what I was. I was even yeah. agreeing incorrectly. So I, I feel like I, I didn't enjoy this one because of all of the things like that, where it just seemed like, you know, I've never seen a Friday the Thirteenth movie, but it just seemed like, you know, that Jason moment of just, you know, he's going to walk slowly and steadily, and yet he's always going to be right behind you. And you can't kill him. Oh, it's other thing. Whereas the first one, it seemed like Leatherface was just a really crazy guy. Yeah, you lost that believability and that that real realism. I think. Yeah. Um, which I'll totally buy because this definitely was a totally glossy 
mm-hmm. version of that. I mean, this was the the big budget Michael Bay ver- yeah. version of it. Um, I loved the women in the trailer. Yeah, the big lady, the little lady. Mm-hmm. And again, that was just the same thing. Like, I think they pulled off the dirt in this movie the same way as we talked about the chickens in the first one. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got the old man with the his bag of his urine. Legs. Yeah, he's got his bag of urine that he's dumping in the toilet, which is a dirty toilet. Yeah. And he's doing this all, trying to get Jessica to be able to help him up, and he's... Just grabbing her ass. Grabbing her ass and it just empty piss and was shaking piss around and he's yeah. asking him to grab his hand and the Which, women's trailer was disgusting and that, that's I appreciate like that grit. Yeah. Going back to the catheter vaccine, the the faucet was just pouring out like baloney sludge, <laughs> and then that's never mentioned. Like there's nothing ever plays into that because there's plenty of water all over that house. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Uh, baloney sludge is scarier than, <laughs> than regular water. Yeah. I just watched another movie where, like, the basement was completely flooded. Mm-hmm. I always wonder how these houses hold up. They got like hit by all. the wet bandits. At all. Wet bandits. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, pull that out. Uh, to me, the goriest thing in this whole movie, even though we see people get chainsawed and people hung on hooks. Fingernail? Well, it's the fingernail. 100%. Yeah. And it's because you can relate to that. Yeah. I can't relate to getting chainsawed, but losing my fingernail is like, it just seems like the absolute worst thing ever. Did, uh, you never saw Saw 2, did you? Saw 2, yes, I did. So you know the, the needle pit? The needle pit is what made me stop watching Saw movies. Yeah, it, uh, that's totally effective, man, because we all know exactly what it feels like. I, uh, don't call me on the time frame for this, but apparently at one point during that production, an actual needle made its way into that pit. So that hold the whole box did. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, the they box? spilled the whole box. It, it's supposed to be ten thousand needles in there. It took them, I think, four days. Something crazy like that. Yeah. To replace all the actual needles because they're real needles. Then so they take out the hypodermic needle and put in like a little fiber optic cable. Yeah. And they were doing that for four days, and then someone spilled a box of needles <laughs> in there. <laughs> And they just had to go through literally every single one. Oh, that's the most painful thing. Yeah. Like, I've had to rewrite reports that I had half-finished <laughs> or something like that, but yeah. to have to go through and do the 10,000 needles again would be just... Just, yeah. Just painful. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, I missed I missed someone in a wheelchair. I thought that was kind of cool. That there was that's funny, because mine says... My notes say... Uh, thank God, no Franklin. That's a quote. That's number two. Thank God, no Franklin. Mine says, "Boo, no wheelchair guy." Because <laughs> I thought, because the way the way they introduced Morgan, oh, you, you don't he know because he's yeah. all he's they only show him like chest up yeah, for the point. whole beginning. I, I, uh, yeah, I hadn't put that thought because I'd seen this like it wasn't in context, but uh, yeah. yeah, that was probably a decision that they, if you watch with that in mind, when do they do the reveal that he's not? Does he get out or anything? Or uh, it... It's when, when they get out for the hitchhiker, I believe. It's the first time I think we see the whole body. Is that played as a reveal at all? Like I don't think so. No. I don't know if they were consciously doing it or not. Um, but I kept just like, oh, is he in a wheelchair? Is he not? Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning of the movie, it starts with, I don't know if it's the same, I don't know if it's John Larroquette again, uh, but it's the exact same phrasing, exact same script. 
that the narrator is reading. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, the uh, one of the cool things that Michael Bay did, I think, when uh, and I'm probably botching part of the story. Mm-hmm. He was debating about doing this, so they created a teaser trailer, and it had they never filmed anything; it was all right. just audio. So you heard somebody, you heard a woman running and panting, like locking, shutting a door, and then you heard like furniture moving. Mm-hmm. Then you heard a chainsaw start. And that was the whole trailer. And it popped up and said, text. and he sold like, hey, we're going to do this based off how people react, which is pretty yeah. genius. Yeah, it's effective. Um, but what he said was he found out as he was talking to people about this, people thought this was real. That's where they added at the beginning and the end that quote, like that found footage style thing is because he was finding out people really thought that it was real. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty ingenious thing. Um, one, one thing that this movie did that I felt like didn't need to happen, Leatherface backstory. That's a critique that that uh, remakes get a lot as they explain too much or they uh-huh. change. And To me that just seemed like fan service, but bad fan service. Yeah, and... You're going it's to be no matter what you do. It's skin disease is midichlorians. The uh, boom I said it. Um, it's the same thing when you, when somebody reads a book. It's never going to be as good as what they had pictured in their head. Right. And I think it's the same thing. Everybody wants to know why he what, all the backstories to everything, but once they get told, it's not as cool as what they would have envisioned. So they're upset by it. Yeah. Um. So I get it. Whether or not it's exactly what I would want to see, I've I've really uh, in my life tried to. When I'm, I had a big problem for the longest time of, of going into a movie and anticipating it being something, and if it wasn't what I made it up in my head, mm-hmm. then I was pissed at it. You and I referenced this periodically. We rented Polly Shore Must Die at one point. Yes, Polly Shore is dead. Polly Shore is dead, and. In our minds, somehow we had... We made, wrote the movie right there on yeah. the Best Buy floor yes. that Pauly Shore faked his own death and is going to different people and uh, telling them that he... Like, interviewing... Somebody them. would tell them, yes. hey, did you know Pauly Shore died? Right. And they would react and right. say, oh, he was just the wonderful actor. He was right. so brilliant or whatever. I used to see him at Caroline's all the time. Whatever. That's not at all what the movie was. It was not. And we were both pissed off. Yes. But that's our fault. Yes, it's 100%. <laughs> we wrote the movie in our head, and it wasn't that movie, so, so I try hard. I try hard not to do that, and I watch something, and I just see it for what it is. That's part of the reason that I don't watch trailers for pretty much anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Anything I don't want to see any trailers for. Um, and I don't know if this is what you want, but that's kind of when I'm throwing these things at you. Yeah. I don't want you to know. Yeah. If there, I feel like if there is anything that I want you to know, I'm going to make sure I tell you ahead of time. Watch it in this order. There's a reason why I'm doing the majority of those things. Yeah. Um, because I love the idea of you watching a lot more man and waiting for a werewolf or something <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. Um, or or not having any idea that so and so is going to pop up all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, this is like you said, this this is a holy grail episode, so. It's hard not to know some things. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm sure we'll get on, you know, Freddie and Jason and and Michael Myers and Pinhead. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll get there. But yeah, there's so there's some things you can't escape. But yeah, that is enjoyable. There's there's a little movie called Balls of Fury, and this is the movie that I always think of in my brain when I think of expectations and movies. It's a comedy. It's bad. 
It's not a good movie. Okay, thank God you're going to say that. Because I saw the trailer and I feel like I saw everything that I it, need to know. It's or is terrible. That proving your point? It's terrible. But I went in there thinking, oh, this is going to be terrible. Uh, I'm just going because my friends are going. This is going to be god-awful. And I enjoyed myself. I, and I still, there's a line in there that I still quote to this day. Uh, all because I had absolutely no expectations for it. So I allowed myself to, to laugh at really dumb jokes. I'm with you. I, uh, yeah, totally yeah. with you. Um, next week. Oh God. Talk next week. Oh. I think there's a possibility that you know these movies. Maybe. Maybe. All right. So the first one. Ah, okay. I have seen the, the 20 minute fight scene. Nobody knows what we're talking about. I know. Oh, okay. When I say 20 minute fight scene, they should know okay, that I'm talking about Roddy Roddy Piper's finest. They live. How do you know if it's his finest? If you haven't seen his other work. I've watched a lot of wrestling. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is uh, this is John Carpenter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all yeah. It's Roddy Roddy Piper's eye and a weird, scary thing in the sunglasses, and I just know something about like billboards and sunglasses. And then he wrestles a guy to get the sunglasses onto the guy. Okay. Good. That's right. Uh-huh. And the second part of our double feature. Oh, this is why you said, how do I know it's Roddy Piper? How do you finest? know? Yeah. So this is our Roddy Piper double feature. Hell comes to Frogtown, which looks like the... They put Roddy Ryder Piper's face onto a painted body. It's the worst. <laughs> and the he's got like a sawed-off shotgun. Ever. And he's the, and a tiny chain. It doesn't look like his body is pointed the same way as his face. Not at all. And him and the woman both have total dirt faces in that painting, <laughs> man. Like it is the worst. And he's wearing a belt that also like goes over his crotch for some reason. So, a weird scarf thing? So tell me, what is Hell Comes to Frogtown about? What are you anticipating seeing in Hell Comes to uh, Frogtown? A bad Mad Max ripoff? Okay. It's just desert. And he's holding a gun and a woman at his leg. So maybe that? Okay, good. All right. Remember, anything that you need to know, you already know. Yeah. So no Googling, no research. No. Popping the movies in and you're watching them. Right. I try I I try to I take this seriously, man. I try to go in as ignorant as possible.